Adventure. Good morning, American Fort Campus. I am back from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and I am on fire. Woo! So I hope there's fire extinguishers here because I am so jazzed. I am so excited. God is doing incredible things across the world. Um, for those of you who don't know, we are part of an interdenominational organization called Foursquare. And we just gathered with all of the, well, not all, several of the leaders from throughout the world, several missionaries and pastors and leaders in Washington, D.C. Actually, we met at the Washington Hilton, which is where Ronald Reagan was shot back many years ago before I was born. And um, (laughs) why are you laughing? (laughs) But uh, God is doing incredible things throughout the world. And it's so funny to me because I meet a lot of new people every time I go and every single time they find out where I'm ministering, I always get the same reaction. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what? Isn't it interesting? We live in the center of Mormonism. And guess what? God loves Mormons. Wait a second. Say it again. God loves Mormons. Therefore, we love Mormons. Okay? That has to be clear. However, we have differences. And we believe that we are specifically here for a purpose and for a reason. So we're going to talk about that today. We're continuing our series on, it's the uh, uh, Sermon on the Mount. And last week, Chase talked about being the salt of the earth. Today, we're going to talk about being the light of the world. We are the light of the world. So if you could just pray, and we'll invite the presence of the Lord. And I, I, you know, of course, every time I get up here, I think that that whatever I'm saying is, I I wouldn't say it if I didn't think it was important. But I really do think right now, this is such a pivotal word. This is such an important word for us to hear as a church family. So if you could indulge me and just hold your hands out like this, if it's not too Pentecostal for you, hold your hands like this, just as a symbol that you want to receive everything God has for you, because I believe he has a word for each and every one of you this morning. So, Father, we come before you and we have our hands upraised to you, Lord, as a symbol, God, that we believe that you are good and we believe that you still speak to your church today. We believe that by your spirit and by your word, God, you talk to us and we invite you, Holy Spirit of God, speak to us this morning. Change our paradigm, Lord. Change the way we think. Change the way we view you and the way we view other people and even the way we view ourselves. We welcome you, Lord. We bless you. We invite you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Vanessa Harima did the the new artwork for our sermon series, so um, I think it's amazing. I love the Sermon on the Mount. I went to Israel three years ago, and I got to see where Jesus, where they think Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, and it's just this beautiful area. Um, So this past weekend, as I mentioned, I was in Washington, D.C. I stayed with some friends of mine 
who are, uh, sh- they're, they're Harvard lawyers, they're high-powered attorneys, and they are in Washington, D.C. Uh, she actually is the chief data officer for the Postmaster General of the United States of America, so she investigates anything with the postal system, so I was really careful not to go postal when I stayed in their home. And he actually is, I guess by the time we get this up on the internet, it'll already be announced, but he just received a presidential appointment to the White House. And I have to say, they are godly, God-fearing, powerful, amazing people in the heart of Washington, D.C. Isn't that so encouraging? Yeah, I am so, I'm so excited to see what God has for them because, you know, when they tell their stories, I mean, they are rubbing elbows with people who are obviously influencing the entire world. I mean, and it's so, it's so incredible to be able to stay with them and to be able to encourage them in the Lord and in what they're doing because they, they take a beating, let me tell you. But um, if, you, if you remember, pray for them, they're... Uh, they're amazing, godly people, and they've planted a church right in, in Washington, D.C., and they're raising up disciples to reach some of these people that are so lost and broken, even though they're powerful and they're rich and they seemingly have their whole lives together. They're broken and lost without Jesus. And so today we're going to talk about the importance of us being a light in the darkness. It says in Matthew five fourteen, receive this. This is for you. You are the light of the world. A city that's set up on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way as the city on the hill, the light, the lamp, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let your light, individual, your light, the light that is within you, let it shine before men. Can you guys kill the lights back there, please? Isaiah 9, 2 says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. This is what it's like for those who don't know Jesus. The Proverbs say that the wicked stumble about in the dark not knowing what makes them stumble. This darkness has consumed those who don't know Jesus. And we are called to be a light. We are called to shine brightly, And invitingly to shine in the darkness. This is what we're called to. To be that light that welcomes people and and invites them in. 
Okay, you can turn the lights back on. That's what it's like for those who don't know Christ. They're walking about in darkness, but it says they will see a great light. Guess what? Guess who that great light is? Jesus. But guess what else? He says to us, you are the light of the world. Wow, I was getting a little screechy there. Sorry. It's a woman thing. People are walking in darkness, and we cannot burst into a dark room. And just shine this floodlight. I have one of those big floodlights, you know, that's on the stand. I really wanted to bring that and just blast that on you. That is not what we're called to. We are called to be warm and welcoming and inviting. That we should let our light shine before people so that they see our good works. We're not saved by our good works, okay? You got that? We are not saved by what we do. We are saved because of the works Jesus did on the cross for our sins. Jesus paid it all. He paid the price. He went to the cross for our sins so that we could be reconciled with our maker. But it still says, Jesus still says, you want to you shine your light. You want to do good works. Why? So that people are drawn to the heavenly father. Okay. Can I have a volunteer, please? You guys have trust issues. (laughs) No one? Anyone? Okay, come on up, Faith. Okay, um, I'm going to ask you guys to kill the lights again once she gets up here. Okay, kill the lights. Okay. Hi, Faith. So... I am going to share Jesus with you. Ready? How's that? Is that nice? Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. nice. How about this? Better. Thank you. Okay, you can turn the lights back on. This is a difference. I think right now, the church is like the flashlight that's hurting people's eyes. I think we, we have a reputation, my friends, for being judgmental, for being critical, for being harsh, for being political. We have a really bad reputation, and Jesus wants to change that. He wants us to be a light in the darkness. It says... Um, Wait, where am I? Jesus spoke to the people in John 8, verse 12. It says, he spoke to the people once more and he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to what? You will have the light that leads to? That's why Jesus came. He came to be that light that leads us to real, true, eternal life. And not only life in the hereafter, but the abundant life here today. And so I, I want to pour this message into you guys, and I want to ask that you really ask the Holy Spirit to be speaking to you specifically about how you can do this, how you can be a light, based on your personality, based on your gifts, based on 
just who you are as a person. Because in Galatians 2.20, it says, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. You remember? It's a call to come and die. To follow Jesus means you need to lose your life. And the problem is, I feel like right now, in the world's eyes, they don't think the church is a safe place. They think the church is a place where they're going to... What is the number one reason why most people will tell you that they don't want to come to church? Hypocrites. Yep, we are. Everybody's a hypocrite in some degree or another, right? That's right, we can make room. (laughs) I mean, of course, we don't want to try to be hypocrites. We want to try to live our lives in the light and try to live in a way that honors God. But unfortunately, we've got that whole human factor working against us. Okay, what's another reason people don't want to come to church? Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Think about who we follow. Who did Jesus judge? He, re- he judged the people who thought they were better than other people because of their religion. Jesus didn't judge the partiers and the down and outers and the sinners. Jesus hung out with them. And you can, you can bet he was loving them. You better believe the reason that they wanted to hang out with him was not because he was standing back going, sinners I'm so disgusted with you Jesus was hanging out with them so much so that the religious leaders started to accuse him of being one of them he wasn't one of them but he was loving them and here is something that we can do too we can love people you know We are created to show people how it is supposed to be, how we have received this love, and then we want to pour that love through us. Not to be critics of everything that's wrong. Again, judgmentalism is not a spiritual gift. Okay? It's not. It doesn't take anything to judge people's sin. Remember, it's easy to point out people's sin. That's easy to do. What's hard is to help them walk out of it. But that's what we're called to. And so we need to choose love. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 says, And God has given us, us, this this task, reconciling people to him. I'm going to say that again because this is profound. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through whom? What? Why would he do that? But he is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead with the non-believers, come back to God. Come back to God. Come back to the creator. Come back to the lover of your soul. Be reconciled with God. 
That's our task. That is our purpose. And you know, everybody always says, oh, music is the universal language, which it is, but there's a lot of music that, a lot of different styles that some of us don't like, right? Some of us hate rap, you know? Some of us hate country. Some of us hate classical. Some of us, you know, it's like, yes, music is a universal language, but what is a more significant universal language? The language of love. Everybody, no matter how broken, no matter how hardened their heart, no matter how damaged, everybody has a need for love. Everybody. That is not in any way opposed to our message. Our message is not of judgment, not of criticism, not of condemnation. Ours is a message of love. So how do we do this? How do we love people? Well, first of all, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to say this now. I believe in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I believe that we can be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. That there is a fullness that God provides for us and we cannot love apart from being filled with his spirit. Because it says in Romans 5 that he has poured his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So every morning when you wake up, wake up and say, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me to overflowing every day. Because I'll tell you something, it is easy to be annoyed with people because sometimes people are annoying. It's easy for us to not want to love people, to not want to accept people. It's easy for us when someone cuts us off on the freeway to get ticked. It's easy for us to be impatient when we're standing in the line at the coffee shop and the barista is taking forever. Right? That's easy to do. It's easy to be annoyed with people who are different than us. You know what's not easy? To decide to love despite how they act or what they do. When we first moved here, um, we had some neighbors that were very much opposed to us, and they, they were determined to do some things to let us know that they were opposed to us, i.e. calling the police because we had too many cars parked out front when we had a Bible study one night. And you know what the tendency would be in the world? What would the tendency be in the world? Somebody disses me, I'm going to do what? Diss them back, right? You know, and, and we can even justify it. You know, we can, we can justify it because, well, that was wrong. What they did to me was wrong. But you know what's not easy to do? What's not easy to do is to tell your flesh, nope, you're not going to win on this one. The Holy Spirit in me. Christ lives within me. So instead of dissing them back and wanting to reject them, because that's really what my flesh wanted to do, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit... I believe, told me, and I do believe we can still hear God's voice today, right? Yeah. Amen? Through his word and through his spirit. It says that we do hear his voice. We know him. We're his kids. Okay? So I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I want you to go buy a bouquet of flowers for your neighbors and a nice card and bring it over there. So I did. I went and bought a bouquet of flowers, and, and when I went to 
present it to my neighbor. She was out in her yard, and she turned her back to me because I think she felt shame. And I just went up to her, and I handed her the flowers, and I said, I am so sorry that we caused you guys stress. I am so sorry. We really love you, and we want to be good neighbors to you, so please forgive us for, for doing that. We, we really didn't realize it, and we will really try in the future. And, you know, it softened. I could see it softening their hearts. And I just want to ask you, do you even know your neighbors? Do you bless your neighbors? Are you a blessing in your neighborhood? Does your light shine in your neighborhood? Do your, neighbor, do your neighbors feel like you love them? Do they feel like you even like them? Because the thing is, you can let your light shine. You don't have to be an evangelist like me. You don't have to be a verbal person. You may have a gift of culinary skills or baking skills. And, and when your neighbor has a baby or whatever, you can go over there and you can say, hey, can I, can I please clean your house or can I mow your lawn or can I bring you something to eat? You know, you can be a blessing. And I'm not talking about trying to earn your salvation. I'm talking about doing good works so that you open up the door to be able to present Jesus, to present an opportunity for them to be reconciled to their maker. That is why we do these good works. And this is a task God has given to us, to reconcile non-Christians to him. Elbow your neighbor and say, that was for you. As Christians, we are countercultural. We're not relevant in this world because we're different. But make sure that the different that we are glorifies God, not just that we're weird. Okay? Because you can say, oh, I'm being persecuted for my Christian faith. It's like, no, you might be persecuted because you're just weird. I mean, and you know, it's, it's okay. I think there are three kinds of weird people. There are weird people who know they're weird. They're, they're okay with it. Then there are weird people who don't know they're weird, and so everyone else knows it, but they don't know it. And then there are the weird people who know they're weird, and they try to cover it up. So you fall into one of those categories. So if you're the one that doesn't think you're weird, guess what? <laughs> Number two. But don't get rejected because you're an idiot, okay? If you're going to get persecuted and you're going to get get um, what's the word I'm looking for? If you're, if you're going to get rejected, make sure that it's because you are being an ambassador for Christ. Make sure that it's because it's a light that's shining this way. It's a, it's a warm and welcoming light in the darkness. The thing is that, you know, Tolerance can be God's grace. You know, we, you know, there's a saying, it's like, love the sin, hate the, or, yeah, wait, other way around. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Let me just dispel that, because first of all, I said it wrong, but uh, let me just say this. Love the sinner, period, done. God already hates the sin, just let him deal with that, Okay. You don't need to focus on someone else's sin. Get the log out of your own eye, and then 
If you have a brother or sister, you can help them. But the people of the world are sinners. They sin. That's what they do. Sinners sin. We sin too. The only difference is, the only distinguishing characteristic is that we have received the grace and the forgiveness that Jesus offers for us on the cross. That's the only difference. Okay, and because of the message of that grace, that we cannot earn it, but because God wants to shine his light through us to reconcile the lost to himself, make sure that is the reason that you're being rejected and not just because you're being critical or judgmental or political, okay? The fruit of the spirit is always in season. It's the one fruit that's always in season. Tell me when love goes out of season. It's like, oh yeah, love's really out. That is so last year. (laughs) How about joy? Joy ever get old? Anybody ever go, yeah, I've pretty much done the joy thing. (laughs) I'm done with that. Love, joy, peace. Ever have too much peace? Anybody ever say that? Man, I really need some more stress in my life. I am just overwhelmed with all this peace. Love, joy, peace, patience. Anybody lacking in that department? Or is anybody overwhelmed? I just have way too much patience, especially on the freeway. (laughs) I just have so much patience. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. When is that not appropriate? When are we called to not be kind? When are we, you know, I mean, and I'm not talking about codependency, so that's different. That's another sermon. But I am talking about genuinely being kind, genuinely liking people, deciding, determining, I'm going to wake up. I am going to love everybody. On Friday, I traveled all day. I've traveled from like 7.30 in the morning until 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock at night. And I was in airports for a long time. So, you know, people are not on their best behavior in the airport. (laughs) I don't know if you've noticed that, but... People are stressed, you know, they're traveling. Some of them are really excited and happy because they're traveling, you know, to go to a wedding or something. But for the most part, most people don't have a whole lot of joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, none of that. But I just decided, I prayed that morning and I said, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can love like you love, so that I can love extravagantly so that I can leave a footprint of love. So as I walked through the airport, that was my mission. I'm just going to love all these sinners. (laughs) So I just walked through the airport, and then I came up to this little kiosk, and there was this lady there, and I think she was Iranian or Iraqi or something, and um, she was really sweet, and she had a cross on. And I had this cross on, and and I... I said, I like your cross. And she said, thank you. And I said, does that cross mean anything to you? And she said, no. I said, my cross means everything to me. I said, the message of the cross is everything. And I just, I mean, we locked eyes and it was like, I could just, it's like, oh, I love her. I mean, I wanted to take her home with me. Just like, I loved her. I can't, I I have to say, before I came to Christ, I was just pretty much annoyed with people most of the time. 
people. People can be annoying. I mean, I, I, it's not that I'm blind to that. But the thing is, we're not called to the same standard as the world. We're not called to love the people that are easy to love. We're called to love the people that are difficult to love. That person at work that you, you swear Satan sent them because they are just the worst, <laughs> Jesus probably sent them because you have some exfoliating that needs to take place. For the men, you don't know what that means. What it means is there's like dead skin. <laughs> Jesus wants to do something in us. He wants to show us how to be loving and not phony. Genuinely to love those people. Love them. Uh, <laughs> there were two girls. <clears throat> Jesus did test me at dinner. There were these two girls and they were like, totally like I am so tired and they were just it was a challenge for me but I was like Jesus let me love them let me let me have a heart for them let me you know and it wasn't any I didn't have this big interaction with them or anything it just Jesus was just doing something in my heart you know, and then later I went and I ordered a sandwich at Boar's Head and there was this line. I mean, it's the Reagan airport. It's packed. And so I ordered this sandwich and and uh, I don't know, I, I struggled to get the order right and everything. And, then, and so then, you know, I kind of talked to the manager. He was kind of standing there. And then I walked away to go pay because you go pay at a different location. And then when I came back <laughs> and they announced and they're like, 814, 802, and I'm like, woo, yeah, and I ran up there, and I grabbed my sandwich, and everybody was just like, and they all just started laughing, and the guy goes, thank you so much for just adding some sunshine to my, to my day. <laughs> I was like, thank you for not calling the authorities to send, to send me into the insane asylum, but you know, we are called to be a light. We're not called to be grouchy. Stop being grouchy Christians. Okay, you can elbow the person next to you if that applies. But you're also called to forgive. So if you just got elbowed, you have to forgive. Love never fails. Love is the international language. We are called to love. We are called to be different, but in a good way. Okay, we're called to, we are called to determine every day to determine I am going to love I'm going to love the unlovable. Because Jesus even says, what difference does it make if you love those who love you? I'm asking you to love the ones that don't love you. The ones that are hard to love. Those two girls. You know, to love people that are different than us and people that annoy us. Okay, get over that. Stop it. Love. Accept. Pour out God's grace. Be nice. You know, you can either go with mean or you can go with nice. I just say go with nice. Just be nice. You know, when I first met Eric, for those of you who don't know, my uh, husband passed away a year ago, and he and I moved out here to plant the church, and I had the honor of leading him to Christ. But the thing is that he, this was years and years ago, it was before he was a pastor. <laughs> um, he, he asked me, he goes, what is it about you? He goes, there's something different about you. And I said, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. We 
need to love people so extravagantly that they see something different in us that draws them to him, to reconcile them to him. You know, the thing is that sin is sin. Sin is missing the mark, and it breaks the heart of God. But I have to tell you, honestly, I don't really think that we grasp the gravity of hell. There is a literal hell. And I'm not just saying like, oh, yeah, last Tuesday, that was hell. I am saying hell which is separated from God and everything that is good. It is darkness. It is isolation. It is the weeping and gnashing of teeth and torture and torment. There is hell. You can deny it all you want. You can say, how could a loving God have hell? No, people reject God. They send themselves to hell. But we are called to be lights in the darkness. We are called to rescue people from that path. And I believe in the sovereignty of God. And I believe that, that God is going to ultimately get to them. But don't you want to be in on that process? Don't you want to be someone that can win lost souls to Jesus? Don't you want to be someone like that? That can say, I know you have a lot of questions, but I know what the answers are. I have a Bible, and it tells me the answers for how to live. It says God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And for people who are hopeless, you can say, I have hope. I can offer you hope. And people who are rejected and broken and damaged, we can say, you can be accepted. You can be loved. I know the lover of your soul. And I want to introduce you to him. You know, the thing is, people can't argue with that. I mean, you buy somebody a drink at the, I mean, a coffee drink at the Starbucks. <laughs> you buy somebody, you buy the, for the person in front of you. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're probably going to be a little bit suspect. Like, what do you want from me? But can we just love extravagantly? Can you guys, can you join me in this mission? Loving the hell out of people? And yes, I just said hell in church again. I mean that, loving the hell out of them. The literal hell that they're living, that darkness that they're walking around in, not knowing what makes them stumble. We have the light of life. We have the light of truth. Can you join me? I really mean this. I'm, I'm imploring you. Let's not live lives that are lives of futility, lives of emptiness and meaninglessness. I just am so impassioned about this. Ah, makes me crazy. <laughs> we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to ask the Lord, fill us with your spirit so that I can love because the world needs to see an actual demonstration of our good works where we are losing our lives, dying to ourselves, sacrificing, serving, giving extravagantly, speaking words of affirmation to people. You know, all the five love languages, you can use all those to win people to Christ, except I would not, I wouldn't do the physical touch thing because that might be creepy. But you can, you can give 
give people stuff. Again, I'm going to ask you, are you, do you have a reputation for being generous? Or do you have the reputation for be, being the one who's really stingy? Because God is generous, so we can be generous. God is affirming, so we can be affirming. God serves us. Jesus came and washed the feet of his disciples, so we can serve our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers. Right? We can do all these things. We can show people that we legitimately care, not so that we'll be saved. We're already saved. We already know Jesus. We have a relationship. But we can show them our good works so that our Father will be glorified, so that God will be glorified. I'm going to tell you something. The church, as in the body of Christ at large, with all of our different facets and We, the church is for the believers, but the believers are here for the lost. The only reason God didn't save us and forgive us and take us right to heaven is because he wants to use us. Why? I have no idea, but he wants to use us. He has given us a task of reconciling sinners to their maker. He has given us the task of being a light in the world so that we can do good works and this will glorify our Father in heaven and people will be drawn and they will start to ask, what is it about you? There's something about you that I'm just so drawn to. That's what we're here for. That's the only reason that we remain on the earth. Jesus says, go, therefore, into all the world and make disciples, preach the gospel, Make disciples. We're called to not just make friends. We're called to make disciples. Followers of Jesus Christ. It's not enough to just be friendly with the people at work. You need to share Jesus with them because I'll tell you, we don't know. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. We are not. Just last week, there was a beautiful young 26-year-old woman who just unexpectedly passed away. My husband, unexpectedly 53 years old. We didn't know. We had no idea. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. And those people, I want to read you this. Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and some of the angels with him Is that what it says? All. Remember when Jesus was born? A multitude of angels. A multitude of the heavenly hosts. A multitude is like a grillion. This is all, all of the angels are with him. Just picture this in your mind. He will sit upon his glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered in his presence. And he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry And you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick 
and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, (laughs) when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing, or when did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. You guys remember the, um, uh, what would Jesus do, the bracelets, that whole thing? I'd like to put a little twist on that and say not what would Jesus do, but what would you do to Jesus? How would you treat Jesus? I mean, how embarrassing would that be if you're on the freeway and you cut somebody off and you turn, you're like, oh, it's Jesus. Yikes. Or if you're standing in the line, you've ordered your latte, double pump, non-fat, sugar, whatever. You've ordered your latte, and it is taking forever, and you start to stomp your foot, and you look up, and you're like, oh, Jesus is my barista. Wouldn't that be embarrassing? Every one of us is called to love. That is what we're called to. And how can we love people if we are not allowing our light to shine? Is it really loving? Okay, so how many people in here, just raise your hand, how many people in here ever get your hair cut? Okay, there's, unless you shave your head bald, everybody in here should have their hand up because there's nobody that has hair down to the floor. Okay, so if you ever get your hair cut, you are probably getting your hair cut by a human being. That human being probably needs to hear about Jesus. How many of you get your teeth worked on by a dentist? Yep, some of you should, but... (laughs) Okay, so that dentist, chances are that dentist probably doesn't know Jesus. How many of you ever go to coffee shops, Beans and Brews, or Starbucks, or any of the local coffee shops? Those baristas, they need Jesus. Are you going to be the person that when you walk in, they're like, yay. Or are you going to be the one they're like, oh, there she is again. Are you the one who's being loving? Are you being a blessing? And are you telling them your story? Nobody can argue with your testimony. You don't have to know all the answers, but you do have the opportunity to share your story. For example, you say, hey, so I... I don't want to offend you or anything. I'm really not trying to offend you. I just kind of want to tell you what happened for me. I was lost, and now I'm found. I was a mess. I was a drug addict, a drug dealer, a bulimic, promiscuous, kleptomaniac, and God saved me. And now I minister to the most amazing people on the planet. You tell people that, they can't argue with your story. They can't argue with your testimony, your real testimony of what Jesus did in your life. And Eric and I, have al- we always said we would rather have 25 true disciples, true people who are willing to lose their lives for the sake of the gospel than 2,500 people who are just kind of hmm, apathetic. 
In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. My daughter recently asked me if we could have a, I haven't asked for permission to share, um, if, if we could have a party in our backyard and invite all of her coworkers. And she told me, she goes, well, so now none of them are Christians, so some of them are potty mouths. Are you going to be okay with that? I'm like, of course. You know, you're rubbing elbows with people who don't know Jesus. They're going to do some things that are offensive. Don't be offended. Don't be offended when sinners sin. Love them like Jesus did. You know, we can, we can share the gospel personally, relationally. We can share it even with strangers. I always pray God would set me next to somebody on the airplane that I can share Jesus with. And I always ask for that opportunity. But we can give, we can serve, we can accept people, we can speak into their lives, speak words of encouragement. And we can use our social media as a tool for the glory of God. Please hear my heart here. Do not use social media to bring division. If you're doing that, please stop it. Please stop it. Let your light shine. Use your social media to bring encouragement and, and positive thinking. And I don't mean like, you know what I mean. Positive as in positive for the Lord. <laughs> and use it to, I mean, I don't care if you post pictures of your cat, if you have to. I mean, some people have that addiction. But you know what I'm saying? Don't use social media to divide I mean, I just feel like don't, don't use it to put out your political views. And I'm sorry, I'm not talking to any individual. I'm just saying if we really want to let our light shine, we have to advertise the things of Jesus and the goodness of the Lord and not to deny it, not to hide it under a basket, not to put the lamp back somewhere. And I promise you, I want to ask you at this point, can you all get out your cell phones? Most of you have them out anyway. You're playing Candy Crush or something. <clears throat> Get out your cell phone, if you would, or a piece of paper if you don't have your cell phone with you. I'm pretty sure each and every one of us knows at least one person that doesn't know Jesus. Do you know anybody that, you, that, is, that is broken, that is damaged, that is wounded, that is hurt, that is hopeless, that is lost, that is grieving? Do you know anybody like that? Anybody fit in that category for you? What I want you to do is I want you to text yourself that person's name as a reminder that you are going to pray for that person and you are going to ask the Holy Spirit to give you an opportunity to minister to that person. I have to tell you guys, you know when I give an, give an invitation for people to come to know Christ, and nobody responds, oh, that breaks my heart. But you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Can you please start to share your faith with people? You guys, 
These days are short. The days are short when Jesus is going to come back. Don't waste your time. Make the most of your life. Make it count. Make it purposeful. We're going to show a video now. Um, <clears throat> I better not snuff that out yet. <laughs> I want to make a promise to you. If you bring your non-believing friends or family or coworkers or whatever, if you bring them to church, I will give an invitation every time for them to come to know Christ. But you've got to invite them. I cannot single-handedly, nor can this, my staff, build this church. That's up to you. You are the church. The church is here for believers, but the believers are here for the lost. Please start to reach out to the lost. I would like you to... to promise the Lord. And it says to be slow in making a vow, but I would like you to ask the Lord to put somebody on your heart that you can, that you can share Christ with. Can you guys do that? Do this if you hear what I'm saying. <laughs> 